I got quiet, and so I guess we'll start. <laughs> Good to see you guys tonight. Uh, and and Eldon, uh, I understand, is sick tonight. So that's Eldon and Janice are not here, and uh, other people are not out. It was a it was a state holiday today too. But we have some. Well, Penny's not a state worker anymore, so it doesn't. That doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, you're not even a state worker. They don't call you state. (laughs) Anyway, thank you guys for coming out. And uh, we are uh, going to continue in our Ephesians study. That's not too surprising, is it? Hey, I've got just a little bit here from um, Martin Lloyd-Jones just to start off with because we're going to be talking about wise men tonight. And that's why I'm glad that uh, Bill made it here tonight. I hate to hate to use that name in vain, but <laughs> but anyway, our theme is dealing with wisdom. We have been talking about walking in love, and then walking in light last week, and this is talking about walking in wisdom. And did you know the Christian is in such a different category, so separated from the ways of the world that he is considered to be wise. Despite what you think, a Christian is a wise man. And here's what uh, Lloyd-Jones says about this. Um, says, the fact that uh, evangelical Christians are far too often given the impression that to be Christians just means that we spend a lot of our time in singing choruses and in being bright and breezy and happy telling little tales and stories, joking and making people laugh. My dear friends, in Him who is in us and in whom we are, look at this, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. And you, I must show that, Jones says. We are representing Him. The charge constantly brought against us as evangelicals is that there is nothing for the intellect, that we are anti-intellectual, and that we are burying our heads in the sand, that we are not facing problems, not displaying this wisdom and this knowledge. Shame on us if it is true. The Christian is a wise man. He is a possessor of this ultimate wisdom, and he is to show it and to make it manifest. As he does so, he will be calling to the unbeliever, and this comes right out of our Ephesians 5.14, Awake, that thou sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon thee. That uh, is a verse we actually didn't cover last week, but that is talking about the people who are lost, and we have good news to give them. They are to come out of that sleep that they're in from the dead and Christ is the one that will give them light. We are the ones that are carrying the light in this world today. In this dark world and we're manifesting the very wisdom of God. For the wisdom of God is not found anywhere else. The wisdom of God is not found in some of the greatest thinkers in this world if they're not Christians. The great philosophers, the great um, people who head up our education systems, uh, the politicians, uh, government leaders. The wisdom is not found in them unless they're Christians. It's found in the body of Christ. That's where the wisdom comes from. So that's what we're going to be looking at uh, tonight. Let's uh, pray. Father, we thank You that uh, we can come here and uh, have the very freedom to open up our Bibles, the very Word of God, Inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Word of God has been, and we can understand deep truths of all the ages, for you have revealed it to us, and it's only because of your Holy Spirit that we can understand any of it. And we thank you for that, Lord. Now we uh, want to glorify you tonight as we search deeper into who you are, what you're about, and what you have made us. In Jesus' name, amen. Walking in wisdom. We know that uh, chapter 5, that's what we've been looking at, uh, imitating God. Remember way back in uh, verse 1, he says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. And then he starts off in verse 2, walk in love. 
And then in verse uh, 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So we are love, we are light, we are uh, wisdom, as we'll look at it tonight. Um, We're to walk in it. We're children of God. We're not to walk as the who? The Gentiles, as he's uh, stated in chapter 4, verse 17. Don't walk as the Gentiles do. That's the unbelieving world. Um, Or as the fools do. And I use that word very carefully because I would not want to ever really walk up to a person and call them a fool. But when Scripture calls people who deny God uh, who He is, uh, or atheists, the unbelieving world, are considered to be fools. Uh, they live against God. Uh, they're not for Him. They, lo- they live as if there is no God, whether they are practical atheists or professing atheists. The things of God to the natural man are foolishness. Foolishness to them. Uh, they don't want to spend any time thinking about the things of God. I, here we are tonight gathering around the Word of God, and to uh, a lot of people this would just be absolute foolishness. It would not make a bit of sense. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to waste an hour of your night sitting around talking about the Bible? <laughs> That's foolishness. Well, the Bible says they profess to be wise, but they are fools. Romans 1. You know what they do? They create God in their own image. We know that God created us in His image, but uh, the fool creates God in their own thinking. Uh, They determine what's right, what's wrong, if there are rights and wrongs. They determine what is true and what is false by their own futile thinking. They they have nothing to go by. We can find out what is true and what is not through Scripture. So if they don't believe in Scripture, then what are they trusting in? Their own thinking, which God calls that a futile mind. They have a fallen nature. It's inclined to sinful things. A fool makes his own rules and makes himself out to be God. If they don't call themselves a God... Uh, at least that's really what they're making. Uh, they pride themselves, though, in how much they, they know. Um, the one who really is not a Christian is actually blind to the truth. I think of Second Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, the God of this age has blinded their minds. The Spirit of God doesn't dwell in them. And what chance does one in the darkness until they become a Christian, what chance do they have really of being wise? Zilch. Nothing. Because you can take all the wisdom of the world and according to the gospel, that is useless. It will not go anywhere uh, as far as eternity is concerned. Um, They're really victims of themselves. They are victims of Uh, Satan himself. They're the victims of the world that they live in. And uh, so they follow what they think to be best. uh, That's where they're at. But not so the Christian. The Christian is a wise person. And it's not because of our own selves. It's because of Christ himself. It's been said that the wisdom from... The creation of man up until about 1845 would be equivalent to about one inch of gaining knowledge. From 1845 to 1945, in a space of a hundred years, it was like three inches of all the you can all the inventions that happened. Of course, we can think of electricity and a lot of other things that happened within that time, the automobile and such. From 1945 to 1975, you say, why 1975? Why not up to now? Well, the, the book I was reading was written in 75. <laughs> so I don't know where to go after that. But <laughs> it, Retro. <the> retro. <laughs> retro. <laughs> what it represented from 1945 to 1975 was equal to the distance of the Washington Monument. We were talking inch for 
up until 1845, and then a couple, about three inches, and now we're talking about the Washington Monument. And I, I would probably say it's probably been quadrupled. I don't know, I'm just throwing something out there. Who yeah. knows what it is now? Do you know? Uh, well, I know that they invented the weed whacker, which is the... There we go. I mean, weed whacker, microwave oven, I, you know. It's, it's a toss-up. No, weed whacker. Nah, yeah. <laughs> Think about it. No, weed whacker. I mean, weed. you know, is anybody going to argue with me on that? Hey, and, and, well, you live out in the country, too, right? I kind of? Yeah. Kind of out in the country. Not anymore, huh, Andre? <laughs> well, what did all those people do all them billions and billions of years before? What? They didn't, they couldn't. Yeah. Machetes. Huh? Well, what did they do all that time before they started checking, counting the inches and stuff? What all them billions of years? I mean, there was a caveman and all of They just used the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder, you know, <clears throat> because there's always there are always authors that are talking about this explosion of knowledge that we've had, and I wonder how do atheists that believe in this evolution thing, what do they do with all those idiots that were around for billions of years? <laughs> Exactly. We believe in a literal six-day creation. We've only been this Earth has only been around maybe six, seven thousand years. Those evolutionists have got this all figured out that that the Earth has been here billions of years, and people have been here for billions of years. What did those stupid people do (laughs) all this time? And now here we are in a few short years. Look at what we've accomplished. I think what you're getting at is where uh, where we were headed, <laughs> because with all this great knowledge that we have today, would you say, as far as common sense is concerned, hasn't even paralleled uh, with what kind of inventions and uh, the I guess you could say the superiority of technology, and but yet common sense is not there, and I would think that it probably has decreased in the proportion uh, that would be of record uh, value, maybe. I think the more that man learns, I think what it does is that the less that he sees his need for God's wisdom. And so the more things that he has at his fingertips and all this knowledge that is now available, you can look up about anything that you want, you can find out within a matter of minutes, seconds. And... Yet man is, and as Penny was saying, seems to be stupider than those stupid people, if we were to look back as they would call them that, and we realize that they probably had more knowledge uh, in common sense-wise than the way that man is today. That's sad, isn't it? They're ever learning and never able to come to the truth. Anybody heard that passage? That's right you know, out of Second Timothy. But but the other thing is, and, and this, yes, I was reading a Donald Miller book. When you consider the scope of the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God before the fall, <coughs> even though that's been restored through Christ, I don't think that mentally we can even begin to grasp, even though we have that relationship restored, that it was the same. Because we still have this humanness that is that is that has all this baggage that, that we that we gathered in our in our previous lives before Christ. So I, you know, so that relationship is and was more important than anything else on this earth. You know, and so it's it's really hard to it's really hard to fathom what that relationship was. You know, in in that in those days before the fall, there was nothing they needed. They didn't even need clothes. Their 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 relationship was completely intimate and and completely at ease with God. And you know, even to this day, even though that relationship has been restored through Christ, we're still just uptight humans. You know, well, I think with the internet. You know. And weed whackers and microwaves. 
I think what Yeah, and back then, they wouldn't even had to weed, whack the weeds because there wouldn't have been any weeds before the fall. It goes back to the fall, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Just to have something. <laughs> that, but that's right. If you go back before the fall, then you really see an example of what wisdom really was. And we have to see what what all did the fall cause and look at, look at the sin that, that happened there. Because the, the, fall has, the, the fall has compounded. That's right. As time has gone on. It affected uh, affected the mind, the emotions, the will. It affected our bodies, mentally, spiritually, physically, in every avenue. That's the depravity of man, and it affected everything in a very serious way. But Christ does reverse that. But it's, it's because we are incarcerated in this body, in this world that is sin corrupted. Uh, we will not know that kind of wisdom until we are glorified. And then we will probably exceed what Adam and Eve had. Uh, and because we will have known what it was like to be affected by by this and see what grace did. And so anyway, yeah, good insight there. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. And it continues by acknowledging Him. Always acknowledging that it is His truth, it is His ways that uh, we want to follow. We don't get our wisdom from any kind of philosophy from man. I mean, there are insights that man has come uh, with that we can, that's helpful to us. But if we're talking eternal values and the supreme knowledge of who God is and what man is and what God's will is, uh, we can only find it in, in His truth. Uh, and that's what we want to walk in. We want to live it. We need wisdom probably far more than any other element. The very wisdom of God. And wisdom is really, it's knowing God. Wisdom is um, knowing God in a sense, in a very relational um, type uh, thinking applying that in our everyday lives. Wisdom is taking the knowledge that we have and then being able to use it in, in our in our lives. So let's uh let's get to scripture. My what am I doing? I'm just sitting here spouting off things here without giving you scripture. Verse fifteen, chapter five, fifteen through seventeen. See then that you walk circumspectly I'm using New King James, not as fools but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now that chunk right there, even though it's only three verses, is packed. And we'll never get all the depth of what's there. But uh, we will try to touch on a little bit tonight. (coughs) See then that you walk circumspectly, or walk wisely, or what's some other translations? Right in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, then as the unwise, but as the wise. Look carefully. Look carefully how you walk. Look carefully. As as wise, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, First one we're going to look at here is the careful walk. Look carefully, right? The careful walk. And we're going to see that we already have wisdom. We it's already there. We we already have God's love because of who resides in us, Holy Spirit. We already have the light. Jesus said He's the light of the world, and because of that, we now are to shed that light out of the world because this is where His body is walking. We are the light. And we see that we are wise, and what we really should do is to make sure that we correspond to what we are. We are wisdom. We need to make sure our lives uh, follow along with that. At salvation, we were made wise. We got wisdom. Did you know that the world is out there looking for something? They don't know what it is. They think they find it and then they go oh, and then they move on to something else or just they keep experimenting with different things, but it never is the ultimate. They can't they, they're not satisfied. They're not content. And so they keep looking and whatever the world is looking for, 
we already have. Jesus Christ. He is is our wisdom. We don't have to go looking anymore. Isn't that great? We don't have to go around looking for something else. What is There's something missing in my life. I've got to find it. We don't have to do that. It's there. Go to 2 Timothy 3.15. And we're going to prove that we already have God's wisdom. only thing is, <laughs> and we'll look at that in a moment, the only thing is, 2 Timothy 3.15. This is Paul writing to young Timothy. And he reminds him in that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. You remember his mother and his grandmother taught him the Old Testament. That's all there was at the time. That's the Holy Scriptures. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The scriptures make you wise for salvation. When you became saved, when you became uh, a child of God in, in His family, you inherited the wisdom of God. Incredible thought. All of a sudden, you start seeing eternal things. Look in 1 Corinthians one thirty. I think this is a great passage on this one. Matter of fact, we know chapter 1 is just packed with uh, the wisdom of God and, and the cross, which is foolishness to mankind but showing the wisdom of God. In verse 30 of chapter 1, But of Him, you who are in Christ Jesus, who became for us, this is Christ, He became for us wisdom from God. He became for us. Christ became our wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So He became our wisdom. That's how much we were changed. It may not seem like we had a lot of wisdom when we came there, but all of a sudden, we didn't know God before, and now we really do know God. That's a heapful right there. To know what it is to be saved. To know that we um, desired to repent. And we had a desire to believe Him. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, there's a drastic change, and that is wisdom right there. Colossians 2.3. Oh, I love this one. I don't know how many times we turn to this this passage, but um, hey, you want some um, you want some self-esteem? Actually, Christ-esteem? <laughs> here it is right here. Speaking of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's Christ. All the wisdom, all the knowledge, all those treasures. And we see in chapter 3, it says, if you're raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So, in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And we are hidden in Christ. And that's why we get all this beautiful what stuff. You missed what you got? With my ESV. Colossians 4 5. Uh, walking wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Which is uh, sort of a parallel verse. That goes right along with our Ephesians, right there. Yes. Ephesians and Colossians are parallel. Uh, that's, and, matter of fact, that's kind of the theme of the whole idea of what we're trying to get across tonight walking with this wisdom to the outside world. How do we manifest Christ best? And it's being able to use that wisdom, not going around calling them fools and and um, uh, doing things to the, or saying things about them and doing things uh, maybe to them or or uh, making them stumble, but it's being very wise in the sense that they would desire the wisdom that God has in our lives. That they would see such a patience and a gentleness and uh, the love of Christ in us that they would be drawn to us. It's either that or they're going to be repelled. <laughs> but we'd love to see them have a desire for things of the Lord. Look in 1 John 2.20. So we covered three uh, three chapters of Colossians right there, right? First John chapter two, verse twenty. 
But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know, look at this, all things. Anyway, we have that capacity to know who Christ is. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. So, you know, if we know if we know God, we know truth. There's a lot more to learn. There's an eternity full to learn, but to have this basic wisdom and knowledge is an incredible thing. Look in um, verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, lives in you, sticks in you, remains in you. And you do not need uh, that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as is taught you, you will abide in Him. So we have the very truth of God. Absolute truth. So we already have wisdom. Uh, one thing is, is that we are to grow in the wisdom. Grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you remember Jesus, whenever He was growing up, what did He grow in? Wisdom. Grew in His wisdom. Stature. Stature. Let's turn there. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Luke 2.52. So, if Jesus had to do that, then so it is with us. We already have the wisdom, but we are to grow in it, be able to use it correctly. It says there, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. It's pretty incredible. So, I mean, um, he was definitely one that people were drawn to. And we see that uh, there was a growing in the wisdom. And he, as he learned more, he was able to live out more. I'm really yeah. liking this ESV iPod Bible. Because <laughs> Well, no, it has a parallel passage in First Samuel 2. Now, the young man Samuel continued to grow in both stature and, fa- and in favor with the Lord and also with man. So, I just found it. You start tapping and then... The front row up here. All of us who are technologically impaired, and these guys over here just... Actually, there's a term for that. It's called techno-peasant. Tech, techno, I'm a techno peasant. Right. I didn't say you were. Look at you, you're recording. You know, I wouldn't even know how to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Bill records all day long. I wouldn't know how to record. That was something that small. Try to do a studio, right? Look in Second Peter 3.18. Uh, what is this, a Bible study or something? I'm going to turn on all these passages tonight. Well, if you had a computer or a little handheld jobber, you could turn there real quick. I make light of that. I know. Anything that I do learn, it's usually from Zach on all that stuff. Oh, this is the one word I know. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You already have it. Grow in it. You have this body. You already you already have the body, uh, but your body has to grow. You don't have to tell your body to grow, but it does do that. And as Christians, you should want to do that. We really should. But you do have to feed the body. That wow, there you go. (laughs) That's right. All right, we just stuff in all this uh, pizza and uh, fast food stuff and junk food. Eat all that. Boy, that's absolutely no good. (laughs) Yeah. Healthy stuff, right? Hey, James. James 1. Yeah, a lot of people live off that. I mean, that's, boy, I don't know how. One five. Well, if you any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally. He is just willing and ready. He can't wait to give out more wisdom and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You want wisdom from God, I'll guarantee you. 
He will give it to you. <laughs> well, wisdom is applying what you learn, right? So when the trials come, that's one of the best ways. Hmm. Colossians 1.9. We didn't cover Colossians 1 a while ago, did we? I think we did the other ones. Why didn't somebody stop me? Colossians 1.9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's a great prayer. You want to be praying? I don't know what to pray for. Boy, just just turn to Colossians one nine. Just just read that and pray that for all the people you know, <laughs> people that you know that really want that, and then maybe for people who are maybe struggling. Yeah, that you'd walk worthy of the Lord is the next verse. Walk worthy. When we do those things, that's how we walk worthy, and that's the theme of what Paul's writing in Ephesians. Uh, did we do Colossians 3.16 a while ago? Did we do that? No. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your heart. So, grow. We have the wisdom, but we're to grow in that wisdom. Use the wisdom. It's just like a car can have a Hemi engine in it, and I don't know, what's a, what's a huge engine? Four... Four four forty. I don't know. Anyway, but if you don't get in there and use that and turn that ignition on, then what good is it? Okay. Now, I think Paul tells us to be careful. Now, you might not have that word in there. Be careful. Matter of fact, my version doesn't use "be careful," but it says to walk circumspectly. And that is where be careful is at. And the Greek word is akribos. And that means to be accurate, to to investigate something out very carefully, to really examine something, like with a microscope or um, something that you really want to really take great care in, in uh, discovering something here. And it also carries uh, the idea of being alert. So, Paul says here, be careful how you walk, or be wise in how you walk. Be careful, be alert. As we walk in this world, there are going to be certain obstacles that get in our way. And it's like, okay, as I walk along here, what am I going to do as this landmine is out here? You know, I've been told there are landmines. How am I going to do this? Well, you better do it very carefully. You better investigate that. Better walk carefully. You might look this, investigate it really good, be exact, or you might get blown up. So we'll be very careful in how we walk. Walk circumspectly. I guess that's the old King James that has that. New King James has that. How many times have you used that word the last few weeks? Circumspectly? Yeah. Probably not. The ESV people, though, what do they do? They are careful. Now, oh, what's an NIV out there? What is that? You, you have a penny? You got an ESV. You changed to an ESV? She bought it here. Yeah, I know he's converting everybody. He's taking a whole generation now, and he's taking them to the ESV. And here I am tagging along, way behind with an old, new King James. Okay. It has circumspectly, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, we're outdated, Audrey. But we're That's right. If we can't use it at work, we can use it right here. (laughs) Oh, I can think of a book that's really old. Bob, you know what I'm thinking about here? A book that would fit this title right here. That would fit imitating God? Well, this walking carefully. This journey that we have. Ah, got it. 
<laughs> you remember all the different elements that came across as um, as he walked along, as Christian kept going further and further along his walk. There would always be worldly wise man or... Can you guys name some other ones? I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, all sorts of hurdles always of taking him along off the path and uh, to go somewhere else. And that's the way it is. Uh, Christian uh, is on a journey. We are all on a journey. And we are walking this path. And we don't want to get off the path. We must stay on it. But we're going to have a lot of hurdles. Proverbs 2 is really supposed to be really good, I think, on something like this. Let's check this out. Uh It's keeping everything in context, right? (coughs) See Proverbs 10. Proverbs 2. Let's check this out. Let's just read a little bit. It's God's Word, after all. Hey, uh, we might benefit out of this. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. I trust that you already know what those words mean. Right there. When when you have entered into God's Word, you understand justification and sanctification and glorification. Those are just three big words right there, aren't they? When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked. Those are the ones you're going to walk away from. Whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life, So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Chapter 3 is guidance for the young. We could just keep on going. Right, Penny? This. That's right. Security and wisdom, you'll find in four. Guidance. Wow, is it ever. There is something to that. You know, if uh, the younger generation were taught to read just, just Proverbs, learning that there are practical things in life. Of course, if you don't have Christ, how are you going to be able to discern these things still yet, though? How can you do these things? You don't have well, the power. You know right and in, wrong. In Proverbs, you you could discern that without Christ. I mean, it's good. It's good. Good practical. Right. Know, I mean, to, to really understand it, obviously, you, you need Christ. But I mean, yeah, there's it, like there's there's two uh, depths of this, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and one probably couldn't continue, but they, they would see some good... Because there are unbelievers who actually practice some things right better than Christians do sometimes. Because, like, it, it, it's practical knowledge, but you have to adopt it as, a, as authoritative. If it's not authoritative, then it's only good advice as opposed to commands. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you still can't. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes the uh, the very guiding power in your life if he resides in you. But, uh, yeah, that's that is very true. 
but it, it it definitely is is a good thing for anybody to 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 know those things. There, there was like a, a warning from for for young men about the seductresses and and such. You know, it, over and over in Proverbs, you'll see that it just stay away from evil people. Well, that that's pretty good advice for anybody, isn't it? But, yeah. You know, and the other thing is, is that I mean, most people that you would talk to would would agree that Jesus was a good teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, if they would bother to read, you know, what he said instead of just thinking that he was a good teacher. That's one level of it. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Because um, you know, I mean, people, you know, people, people know the golden rule. You know. But and agree with it. Yeah. Maybe even practice it. Yeah, what's not to agree with? I mean, it's it's pretty basic. But without Christ, it still won't get them salvation. Right. But it's I hey, I'm glad they're doing that. That makes this world a little bit easier to live in. You know. But it goes much further, doesn't it? Walking circumspectly (laughs) means considering how it's going to affect others. When we are getting ready to make a decision of doing something, we just don't jump into doing something, but we think about, okay, now, how is this going to affect this person and this person over here? We put that into play. We exercise this wisdom in bringing uh, not just our own selves in this, but the wise Christian is going to use great tact. He is going to use great patience when he makes decisions. And, and whenever the Christian sees a non-Christian doing some terrible, evil things and not practicing anything that's in Proverbs, he could just say, I can't believe those kind of people, how they're living like that and what they're doing, those filthy animals. And yet the wise Christian says, Ah, oh, I know why he or she is doing what they're doing. They're blinded by the God of this world. <laughs> right? Is that a good way to look at things whenever you see some people, maybe uh, whatever they're saying, whatever they're doing, uh, however their behavior is, and we can say, yeah, you know what? They're lost, though. They're totally blind. They're dead to spiritual things. And until they know that, how else would I think of them to do? How can they do it, really, without uh, without the Lord? We're made... We're made to be all things to all men, as Paul says in uh, what First Corinthians nine, so that we might save some. Our whole idea is, it, if we see other believers, we want to fellowship with them. We want to be able to sharpen them. They sharpen us. Great fellowship in that. We see unbelievers. We can say, okay, my main thought for that person, hey, I can be a good friend with this guy, and I want to be a good friend with him. But much more than that. I want to see this person know the Lord. And, uh, you know, if we if we use that and start at that point, wherever they're at, then I think that is using wisdom of, of realizing, okay, an unbeliever is that way because that's his nature. It's too bad they're that way, too bad they're doing some really bad things, and it's just making a mess for them and their family and everything else. How can I be able to use this be able to buy up the time here and uh, maybe uh, straighten things around. Anyway, uh, we are to walk circumspectly, not as fools. Not as fools. Romans 1, 20 and 21, uh, that's that's a fool. Uh, it's, it's a lost person. How, how can they be wise unless they have God? But it says in verse 20, For since the creation of the world... His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even His eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Foolish hearts. Don't be like them, because you once were like them. You were fools. Can Christians be foolish? <laughs> yeah. Trick question. <laughs> We've been saying all along, well, you have wisdom. You you, you are. You, you're in that. You're in Christ. But we can be foolish. We can do things that are not 
wise. Yeah. Yeah, don't be foolish. So we can be. So let's look at a few places where it tells us not to be foolish in certain things. In Titus chapter 3, verse 3, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. Well, there's where we once were, right? That's what we did. Um, But Christians could fall into those things even in their Christian lives. They could have envy. There could be lust that they could be serving and pleasures. Um, That should not be a normal practice for a Christian, but that certainly can happen. Look in Luke 24, 25. You have the Emmaus disciples. Remember those guys? They have Jesus walking with them at the time they don't even know who He is. This is after His resurrection. That day that He resurrected. And uh, as He tells them about the truths of the Messiah, He said to them, O foolish ones. Now these are our disciples and He calls them foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. They were foolish because in their own scriptures it spoke of a suffering Messiah. They should have known. They were foolish. Jesus calls them there. They needed more wisdom, didn't they? Okay. Uh, What about Galatians 3? Oh, yes. That's right. What does Paul call the Galatians who are Christians? Oh, foolish Galatians! (laughs) Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? (laughs) Or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? (laughs) Oh, man, Paul lashed out at them calling them foolish. Uh, Are you saved by works? Are you saved by faith? Are you saved by grace? My. And 1 Timothy 6 uh, talks about uh, we can be foolish by desiring to be rich. Just to be rich. How about the word to be as wise, though? Romans. 16, 19. Nice little verse here. Probably don't run into this too much because usually at the end of certain letters they go on with a lot of names and uh, greetings and such. So you probably just skip on and move on, right? Um, But here's one just kind of hidden. Kind of a jewel. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. <laughs> That's good encouragement, isn't it? Oh, that was Romans sixteen nineteen. It's not found in some Bibles. No, just just kidding. We... <laughs> okay. John 7, verse 17. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Now this this is Jesus. And, of course, he got his wisdom from God. Of course, he was God. He is God. But he sought the will of the Father. And and you'll know. You'll be able to discern whether this is what, what is uh, God's will or not. We shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it's from God. So, uh, we're to walk as wise, not as the fools. Back to Ephesians now. And do you know we just finished verse 15? And we move on to verse 16. And it says, Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Ah, nice little Greek word we get to go with on this one. X. What's X 
mean? Out. Out. What's Agora? The marketplace, right? Ex Agorazzo. To buy out of the marketplace. Uh, that was the marketplace where they would go in the Greek world and they would buy slaves, for instance, out of the marketplace to set them free, or they would they would buy them out of there. Um, so it means literally to buy out of. So how can we work that? Um, not as fools, but as wise, buying up or buying the time. Buying up the time. Making the most of your time. Buy up the time. We are to redeem or buy up all the time that we have. Devoted to the Lord. Um, Jonathan Edwards had a book that was dealing with um, resolutions. And he resolved to not waste a moment of his time. A lot of times when he wasn't reading the Word of God, he was thinking the Word of God. And he would meditate it and think on it. And then write it on little napkins, a little piece of paper, whatever he could. A piece of bark, I don't know. Whatever he had handy. And he would write it down. And But he was always thinking of the things of God. And it's not even a moment of time did he want to waste. Well, that's rather convicting because a lot of times I like to just take a break for a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to rest your body, rest, take it easy for a little bit, relax. That's that's good. I think that's buying up some time to to restore yourself to be able to do what you're supposed to do tomorrow. You know? But um, what I'm saying is that he saw every op- there was uh, an opportunity always to serve the Lord, even the, even in the resting part. Uh, we're to take full advantage of every opportunity that we have to serve God for His glory. Looking for situations with the lost uh, to give them the, the good news. Looking for situations to serve uh, somebody in the body of Christ. Looking for situation to know more about who Christ is. Um, Galatians. The book before Ephesians here. Chapter 6, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity... This is buying up the time. Here's redeeming. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. He says, do good to everybody. Everybody. Even the unbeliever. (laughs) But especially your believers, the brothers, sisters. Galatians. That was Galatians, wasn't it? Uh, how about John 9.4? We're dealing with um, buying up the time, right? John 9 is the blind man chapter. Verse 4, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. He took every opportunity that He could to do his ministry. Jesus did. He says, night is coming. So while there's light, while there's that opportunity, I'm going to use it, right? So well that we should. First Peter 1, 17. Quite a bit on opportunities. One seventeen. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. We have a little time, a little allotment on this earth at this particular time. We happen to be born in this time period that we all get to spend together here, you know, on this earth. He says this little time that you have conducted that will be consistent with who you are. And remember he says that that you will be judged. Now, our sin is judged to the cross. He's talking about um, our um, works in Christ. We want to make sure that uh, those things... We want to go before the judgment seat of Christ with rewards. Right? And so Peter behooves them there. Ooh, I got this one in dark black ink here. Psalm 39. I never really easily do that. I wanted to make a point of making sure I turned there. Now, I hope that that is the one I'm thinking of. 
or else wise, I'm in trouble. I like this. <coughs> Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state, <laughs> the best that he can be, is but vapor. <coughs> wow. That's that from David. Means? What is that? That would say means. Wow. Uh, Yes. Wow. That's right. Yeah. Mere breath. Wow. Worship. Wow. Worship is what that is. Yeah. It means. It means to get out your guitar and start jamming. Bring on the instruments. No, really. What does Selah mean? Well, that's what I have heard. Uh, it's an interlude, a break, and so there's probably music starting to play. And for us, that means, hey, do a few licks. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I first heard that whenever I was a musician. Back in the days when I was a musician, I'm not much anymore. I'm not really a musician. But back in the day, whenever I first heard that from the guy on TV, and I go, yes, I like that. That's when I first learning the Word of God. And man, when he came up with that, I said, I like that. I don't know if, how accurate that is now, but I have heard other people say it is a break. You know, you will hear other different things, and when you hear other different things, say, well, Dennis said that, so, and I'm a musician. I like that one better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Romans 13. Oh, Augustine. Augustine, I think, come across uh, this one. Tolalege, Tolalege. You guys remember that one? Tolalege? Pick up and read. Pick up and read. Augustine was uh, a very lusty kind of guy and uh, very sinful, but he happened to be uh, around where there were some kids out playing, and they were playing this game. And uh, they said, take up and read, take up and read. And he picked up the Bible and he opened to Romans chapter 13, verse 13, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Oh, verse 12. Oh, verse 11. Go back there. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And then we have, let us walk properly as in the day. Anyway, that is the verse that was supposed to have converted Augustine. That famous verse. We are to maximize the time that's been given to us. Paul was a good example. I have fought the fight. I have finished this race. I've finished the course. James says we have no assurance of tomorrow. You know, we say if if God wills, right? And um, Jonathan, have a seat. We are we're halfway through the Bible. So this is our two-hour session, so you get to be uh, part of our... Once a month, we have a two-hour session to kind of catch up with uh, my slowness. Uh, just to get one more key word in here, and then we'll, we'll finish here. But um, See, the clock is fast. I know it is. So it's like a, a minute fast. Okay, or two. Uh, redeeming the time. We see we talk about buying up the, the the word time. There, there are different words in the Greek for time. There's one chronos. You think a chronology? What do you think a chronology? You know, in order, right? Order of events, one after another, after another. Uh, that's not the word here. Okay, uh, this one is kairos. Kairos is another Greek word that means not the same as the other one, but it means a moment specifically in uh, significance. A significant moment as far as uh, that kind of time is concerned. Uh, if you were to look back in the, uh, the Eastern world, uh, the, the Greek world, time really meant very little to them. They went by the moons. Um, they went by the sun. 
Uh, from one new moon to the next, that was it. They really were not into history. They really didn't know how this thing was going to end. History had no meaning to them. But the Old Testament is historical. The New Testament is historical. Abraham is historical. Adam and Eve are historical. They're real. This really happened. And we know that our Bible is rooted in history, isn't it? And those were real events. When God made promises to Abraham back in history, we know that that would be fulfilled in history. In, in, uh, in, a, in a time that would, that would come on up. There was a specific time. So as Paul says here, that we are to redeem this specific time that we have. Buy it up. Use it. Um, make the best. Take this opportunity. Serve God. Because the days are what? Evil. And 1 John 5.19, it says, The whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. That's, that's the time that we're in now. We need to redeem our time right now. because We need to buy it up. We need to take every opportunity because where's the world at? In the lap of the evil one. And we are to be that light there. So if you go back during Paul's time, same thing happened. In, in Ephesus, for instance, what was Paul reminding them of constantly? In chapter 2, the prince, they were under the prince of the power of the air, the course of this world. They were dead in their sins. Chapter 4 says, do not walk as the Gentiles walk in all their lust and, and their foolish minds. And their foolish hearts are darkened, right? That's the time that we live in. They lived in that kind of uh, world then. We live in that kind of world now. If you realize how evil and wicked this world is, you're not surprised then of all the things that are going on in our world, why the government is doing the things that it is, why some of these ungodly decisions have been made, why we have an ungodly ruler with ungodly rulers underneath him, and they are doing things that are anti-God. We shouldn't be surprised because that's the time that we live in. And so therefore, we are to what? Make the most of our opportunities. Share the truth, the gospel. One last passage, Ecclesiastes. Hey, we were, we've been using a lot of wisdom books tonight, Proverbs, and we didn't use Ecclesiastes. That's a pretty good one to go to, right? So, in chapter 11, I was just looking at this one last night, and I go, huh, I kind of forgot about this one. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you'll find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. You don't know what else is coming up. Make your take your opportunities now. Yeah. In Ecclesiastes twelve, verse one, remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days mm. come and the years draw near. There you go, bingo. Say, I have no pleasure in right there. Uh, hey, stuff you don't understand. It's interesting. Before the the difficult days are coming, before those evil days come. You, you, and you can say, you mean they're not now? Uh, it might get worse. <laughs> and probably uh, the New Testament says uh, they will wax worse. Yeah, remember, do this now. And this is to um, to young people or older people alike. But uh, difficult days. And so we would need to uh, be buying that time up. Live in a way that would attract people and make them feel as if they are really missing something great and wonderful. If you can show Christ in your life and they can say, you know what? You've got something there that I don't have. Have you ever heard of people saying that? To either to yourself or to somebody else? There's something you have that I wished I did. I've heard of that testimony a thousand times. A lot of people got converted because they saw people living that out. Uh, so, what, what are we saying here? See this life not as a waste and not as a bunch of confusion and you say, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. I hate it. I don't like this. See it. What does they say? You can either see this cup, what, half full or half empty, right? Sorry about that whirly illustration there. 
But what I'm saying is if you can see this life as an opportunity, say, oh, I can use this to get the gospel across. Uh, this is a passing world, man. You know, it's not going to be here forever. It's going to burn up. I've got an opportunity right now. And, uh, you know, really when we look at it is we're on nothing but a journey as strangers and aliens. We don't, re- we don't even live here. We're not from here. We're from another kingdom. We just happen to be planted here for just a little allotment of time to make an impact on a world that's living in a present evil age, as it says in Galatians. And we journey as strangers and aliens and pilgrims. And we have the truth. We have been given wisdom that the world does not have. So there is some of the thoughts that Paul was saying. Hey, sorry, got to cheat you. Um, can't get to the, the key verse tonight, which is dealing with the will of God. And I know that you're wondering, I came to this Bible study tonight to know what the will of the Lord is, and now I have to wait another week. Dennis, this is not fair. Well, sorry, you don't pay me enough to go another hour. I'm just kidding. That's that's the beauty of this Bible. When you were a young man, we used to keep you up until midnight. Well, that's not true because at 5 till 9, I had to be at work at 9 o'clock in Jeff City at the club. That's I know that sounds weird. Uh, the Lord changed things around real quick. But after that, after that deal was done, the Lord ended that thing, then we just we just stayed up all night and we went till twelve and one o'clock and there was times when Carolyn would see the milkman coming in the morning. Yeah. And those were great days. Buy up the opportunity. But I'll tell you what, these are great days too. And so that means I get to go home and go to bed later at twelve or one. No, I enjoy it. I mean, if you guys would want to stay here for three or four more hours, that'd be fine with me. But yeah, I know batteries would run out, and two hours and twelve minutes is all I can get. So I've got an hour and five minutes left. Okay, part two. We're ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready to fall out the window. <laughs> Jonathan, I'll tell you what. You come next week, and we'll cheat you, and you get you get a whole hour. We would love to have you. And if you really, if you want to know what the will of the Lord is, if you don't, then you don't have to come. Two verses a week. But would you like to know what the will of the Lord is? We'll we'll get to that, and we'll even give you an outline, a sheet of your own, where we can show you what the will of the Lord is. So you're not getting this.